It's time to make the dough rise, the financial podcast with Brian Doe. Welcome once again to the Make the Dough Rise podcast. Walter Storholt here alongside Brian Doe, certified financial planner at Livingworth Wealth Advisors, serving the Lake Country and beyond, based out of Greensboro, Georgia. Find us online, livingworth.com, the place to go for great information and resources. And Brian, it is great to be with you once again, my friend. How are you? Doing good, doing good. Just uh, trying to pick up some new skills. Pick up some new, okay, like what? Well, uh, we have used this, uh, I guess, this COVID time. I'm going to talk about that in just a second, but getting to spend more time with the family. And so all three of my girls and I have actually started taking Brazilian jiu-jitsu classes. Really? And loving it. All of them are, are loving it. Uh, I, I hopped in this past week, and it, it's actually really a lot of fun and uh, kind of a cool cool little skill to learn. What, uh, what inspired that? Oh, I, you know, I think, uh, obviously, in your world, the Joe Rogan's podcast is uh, surely something you've heard of. And he, he has a lot of MMA fighters, MMA commentating mm-hmm. on there. And um, you know, Ronda Rousey was the big armbar champion there for a number of years. Right. And so I think a lot of that has just sort of crept into uh, you know the, the popular culture and a lot of people doing it. But the person who does a lot of my videos and, and helps edit and, and, and shoot a lot of the video content that I create, he was taking the classes and he said, yeah, you ought to you know, come up and try it out. And I polled the audience and they all said, yeah, we'd like to try it. And my youngest daughter, or my oldest daughter, had actually taken karate back in the day. So she, she'd had some of that sort of martial arts uh, experience before. But man, you go in and you just dive right in and start learning, you know, actual moves and, and techniques and stuff like that. And so it's a, it's a fast, fun, learning interactive experience and, That's and we all get cool. to do it together. So it, it's fantastic. I thought you were going to say maybe you were watching Cobra Kai on Netflix lately and it was uh, in- inspiring you guys to do that. We did do Karate Kid, I think at some point last year, the, yeah. the girls had always missed that. They didn't know what wax on wax off was. You know, I, I, I always got the wax on wax off, but I actually had never seen uh, the Karate Kid series. And then we started watching Cobra Kai recently, and uh, because my wife's cousin is an extra in one of the episodes, and oh, really? so yeah, we went and watched uh, the episode that he was in just to see him, and then we got hooked <laughs> just from you know you, watching a couple. You were about the yeah, you're about the fifth person that has said, "Oh, you need to watch Cobra Kai. You need to watch Cobra Kai." And I was like, "I've seen Karate Kid. I don't want to see like a cheap remake on on TV of it." But I'm going to uh, tell you this: apparently, it's good. It's really good. It is really good. We binged watched it very quickly. All the seasons um you couldn't put them down they're very fast paced i mean you know they're like 25 minute episodes so they're they're done before you know it it's very easy to consume it's actually really well done they brought back all the original actors um from the original movie series and they're playing out their lives you know 30 years later or whatever the case is it's actually really well done uh kind of edgy still you know it's like it's a really weird series in that it's like kids it's like it feels like a kid show but it's still very edgy like an adult show and so it's it's all over the place, but in a good way. They cover a it's, lot of ground. It sounds like the formula for a sequel disaster, but uh, apparently they've pulled it off because everybody that talks about it raves about it. I was really putting it down, but I'll tell you what, uh, after we watched an episode, I was like, okay, I can tell that Netflix put a lot into this. It's well done, very worth the view. And neither my wife nor I had seen the original series. So we actually mm-hmm. watched like one season and then we went back and said, okay, before we go through the next seasons, because they, they refer to back to things. Now they do a good job where if you never saw the original movies, you still kind of, you know, they catch you up to date. 
But it's nice just having a little bit deeper understanding. So we went back and watched the original Karate Kid movies and really enjoyed those, too. Um, so it was, it was fun. It was a fun trip down the... And I'm not really even a karate guy, but I enjoyed the I enjoyed that, that, that trip, and it was a good show. We can't wait for the next season now. A good story is a good story, as long as they... Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I'm, so. all right, I'm convinced. I'll put it on my watch list. Give, give it a try. You'll be hooked. Yeah. One episode, you'll be, you'll be into it probably pretty fast. So well, you guys good. will like that. We were inspired, actually, by that kind of similar story to you, and then we'll get on with our, our show for the day. Um, but fun to talk about these things sometimes. With um, f- From Cobra Kai and the karate stuff, we got a punching bag for our little home gym in the garage. So I've been enjoying punching the you-know-what out of that for the last couple of weeks. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> I'm, I may have to add that to my Peloton. You could do the little Peloton, then punch, punch the bag. I haven't added any great skills as uh, there's no formal training going on here, but it's just fun to put on some boxing gloves and hit that's the thing as hard relief. as you want every once in a while. Yeah, And let me tell you what, you talk about building up a sweat and breathing heavy real fast doing a little little boxing surprisingly good workout so it really does yeah yeah check it out well good well good stuff well we're talking about the future on today's show so what are we talking about uh flying cars brian and those kinds of things yeah you know i saw the jetsons growing up and i'm expecting all that <laughs> stuff to finally come to fruition and uh yeah it was funny because i do remember an episode of the jetsons where judy jetson was she was having to push all the buttons. She was sitting at a console and she was pressing all the buttons to make the food and order the groceries and wash the dog. And she was going, she was getting stressed out pushing all of these buttons. And I thought, oh, how silly that is. Wouldn't that be amazing if, if in the future you just sat at a you know, panel of buttons and you, you, but you had so many buttons to push, you got stressed out at it. And I'll be darned if that didn't just ex- ex- describe my life exactly. I sit there at a keyboard basically, and buttons all day. I'm like, ah! now, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Back to the Future missed it a little bit. I think it was year 2015. It, we were supposed to have flying cars by then, but it didn't quite mm-hmm. pan out that way. Yeah, but uh, no, no, we're, I'm looking at the COVID and, and what all has happened with uh, kids having to stay home from school, so remote learning. We, we've had uh, work at home. And, and as it turns out, not having to get out there and duke it out with traffic and spend that extra hour or two on each end of the day has actually caused productivity to go up as, as a lot of uh, people are working from home. Now, obviously, that doesn't work if you have to be there for you know manufacturing or building or, or something that requires you to physically be there. But telemedicine, virtual assistance, uh, the online shopping boom has propelled forward. And, and so I think it has forced and accelerated the adoption of a lot of these new technologies and future ways of, of doing things. And on the, the last podcast, we were sort of talking mostly negatively about hedge funds and alternative strategies. And what I want to talk about today is where the opportunities lie in, in all of these areas. Well, and this sounds like the way to do it, right? Because we can break down things from the past, but that doesn't really help us in our investments as much going forward. The right way to think about it is, hey, where is the future going? Where can our investments uh, be most efficient and be best placed? So sounds like this is a, uh, a good use of our time to look at what future trends we might want to capitalize on or at least be expecting for how they might impact our investments and our financial decision making in the future. Well, yeah, and for full disclosure, I'm sitting in my studio in Greensboro. You're up in uh, North Carolina, and our executive producer is up in Michigan. So we, we're literally putting together something that would have had to physically have been done by multiple pe- people getting into one place, whereas we're all just plugged in from our our own setups, connecting online. And th- this would have been 
impossible or inconceivable, what, 10 and definitely 20 years ago. Absolutely, yeah. Even just two or three years ago, the technology still wasn't as good as it is now. It's changing so rapidly. And I think the pandemic helped a little bit of that because it just forced the need even more. So more dollars and attention got put into making all of these processes even better now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, absolutely. And, and I've, I've enjoyed that technological evolution as well. And, and didn't you say your wife had some experience with uh, telemedicine? Yeah. So I mean, using that as an example of the future this year because of the pandemic. Um, so she works in the hospital and also works in a clinic um, a couple times a month. Uh, helping with like pain management for clients mm-hmm. and that kind of thing as a nurse practitioner. And so they had to take a lot of their appointments and meetings um, to the telemedicine route. And it's had its challenges, uh, but it has also, you know, it, it allowed people to still get the help that they needed, even when meeting, you know, together wasn't necessarily as safe. I'll say um, it doesn't change, though, when the doctor is running behind and people get upset <laughs> when you're <laughs> this, when you're five minutes late for your right. appointment. <laughs> I think it's actually easier to be late, perhaps, when you are uh, in person because you've at least got them sort of like trapped in a room. But when they're mm-hmm. just sitting there at their at their computer waiting for you to join, it's a little bit different story. They're watching every tick of the clock, uh, every second go by. and That's right. Set expectations high. A little bit different. But I think they'll definitely incorporate that element into a lot of what they do into the future, at least for like routine follow-ups and that kind of thing. I mean, when you're Dealing with somebody who may have an opioid addiction, you know, one of the challenges that she's faced out of it has been how do I, there's so many other clues to look for in person um, mm-hmm. that and that when you're trying to help this person that you can't get on a telemedicine call. Much easier for them to maybe hide a problem or hide something else. And you can't check out some other things while they're there that might be helpful to them. So she said there's definitely a, a lack of that. So it's kind of trying to figure out, like, where can telemedicine best be used? And for routine follow-ups and things like that, that could be some time yeah, savings per- there. prescription refills and stuff yep. like that, where you just got to check the box. I think it's it's great. I'm curious where online learning is going to go, because obviously we're finding out different kids have different learning abilities and disciplines, and de- depending on their age. But I really think about college and universities. And if you look at, so I, I recently purchased an online course and it was very well put together. And I was always the one in, in college where if I was taking notes, I missed what the professor was saying next. And if I listened to what the professor was saying, I failed to take notes. And, and I, I was always felt like I was missing something. And with the online course, you can hit pause. You can make your notes. If you miss something, you hit the back 10 second button. And I think this is going to absolutely transform or and disrupt a lot of the current institutions that we have. So anyway, what I want to talk about today ties back into some of the things we've talked about in the past that uh, Peter Diamandis and other futurists talk about, about how you know, the amazing the future is going to be. And some of the, the really big themes that I see and that I think people should put on their their radar for investing is going to be certainly the the telecommunication space. Five G delivery of of um, cellular capacity is going to exponentially increase the data capability and the uh, the, the ability. I think it's the ability of the computers and the cell towers to run multiple things at at one time is going to be an exponential increase in. Uh, capacity. You've got artificial intelligence and the computing power. If you've seen what what we've talked about, Moore's law and computing power doubles every 18 months. 
Google's working on, you know, quantum computers. It just continues to be an, an apparent or near infinite capability to to improve and expand what we've we've got with computing power. And obviously, going back to the medicine, personalized medicine with the genome mapping and being able to identify what you might be prone to. And, and then really what we saw with the development of the COVID vaccine is we're able now to develop faster and better and collaborating. We can get to a outcome that in the past, what, five, 10 years for a vaccine was normal. And if, if in under a year we've been able to come up with a, with a vaccine, this is going to apply down to the individual level where they're going to come up with things that are going to be specific to your genetic makeup, what what types of uh, diseases or afflictions that you've got. So I think that'll be interesting. And then uh, obviously with transportation, man, I, I I don't know what people are doing these days, but I see more people driving down the middle of the lane and off the road and because they're on their stupid phones instead of just driving. So it's, the, it's worse than drunk driving in some cases. I really think it is. I mean, truly, I saw a guy driving on the oncoming lane today, and you could tell he was trying to look at his phone for, for directions or something like that. So just self-driving cars are automated. And, of course, the, the big news that I got a call on last week was Apple is in talks with Hyundai and, and I think Kia about integrating you know Apple technology and, and self-driving vehicles and automobiles. Well, the big takeaway from that was, and, and the question I got asked was, hey, should we buy Hyundai? Should we buy Kia? And I said, no, no, no. I said, just buy more Apple. Because what's going to happen is Apple is going to lay off the capital cost of building a factory, hiring people, and, you know, and actually making automobiles. They're just going to license the technology, slap their brand on it, and Apple will end up making all of the profits. And so that I guess that's the the first real you know specific example I have of how should you invest then for the future based on you know all of these 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 themes that we see coming up as far as computing power and how that could transform everything from shopping to learning to to medicine. In the uh, you you talked about your new car last time around, and and we recently purchased a a newer used vehicle for uh, to replace my wife's car, and. Um, it's it's awesome. It has Android Auto in it, which is the same as like Apple. Uh, what do mm-hmm. they call it? CarPlay, Apple CarPlay, the Apple Play. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I, I realize it came out like you know this was twenty eight. It's a twenty eighteen vehicle, so this has been out for a couple of years. But our first exposure to it, and it was it's so cool. You plug your phone in, and uh, it turns the screen and everything. It customizes it based on the things that you have on your phone, and gives you a great experience inter- integrated into the car. For navigation, uh, playing music, handling phone calls and messages, all with your voice. So they've taken this problem of being distracted by your phone. And although it's still technically a distraction, if you're getting text messages and things like that coming through to you on the Mm -hmm. car, but they have provided a solution that is so seamless, you could see how it very easily can become um, kind of just like a second nature sort of thing as you get used to it after a couple of weeks, handling all of these things that you otherwise would have been taking up your hand for would have been looking down for. It's all now Mm -hmm. very visible. And I have found it in the couple of times that I've been able to drive the car and we took took a couple of trips with it already. I found it very easy to use and didn't feel like I was distracted at all. In fact, felt more alert driving, having all of those tools and resources and the easy navigation. And the amazing thing is I don't have to do anything to the car to upgrade that in a year or two. 
right? Like right. if if Apple or Android, whichever one you're using, upgrades their systems and their softwares, the screen's already built in, the navigation is already figured out in the car, they can upgrade as you go. And um, I don't know, that's just that's just really cool for growth and expansion and uh, innovation and boy, just so different than um, having to like physically replace items in the vehicle now that we've kind of started to turn that corner. Just just one example. Yeah, well, and that's kind of like Tesla. I mean, you're really buying a piece of software as much as you're buying a, a vehicle. So Yeah, I'll never forget. Uh, I have an uncle uh, in the Northeast who has a Tesla, big Tesla fan, one of the first ones to try and get one of those first cars that came out. They're already on like their second or third one. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, just loves everything Tesla. And I never remember, I'll never forget getting in the car and he was so excited about the like fireplace app that was in the car <laughs> that <laughs> made it sound like crackling fire and actually warmed your, warmed your seats when you put it into fireplace mode. So he now, was pretty you can't be that. teasing me with all these great new <laughs> gadgets. I mean, like I said, I upgraded to a 2010 That's right. That's right. with, and I have a CD player now instead of cassette. And I, I, I don't know I'm missing all that stuff. So uh, <laughs> this may cost me a fortune if we, if we I, keep I don't, talking. I don't know if uh, a Fake fireplace is worth you know seventy thousand dollars though. We'll st- we'll have to we'll have to think about that one a little. Yeah, bit I'll more just turn on my seat heater and call it good. Then call it good. It's, use your imagination for the fire part. Yep. Uh, my question with all this, Brian, is it's easy I think to just sit and think about where things are go in the future with what you've talked about, remote learning and telemedicine and the work from anywhere stuff, the improvements to cars and the five G upgrades to our cell towers, all these kinds of things. But we still sort of have to invest in individual companies. We can't just say, I'm investing in 5G. You've got to invest in things that utilize 5G. So there's still, it's still tough to pick the right companies and the right strategies to take advantage of these predicted changes. Mm -hmm. I I do know some people that are in the the cell tower business. I was talking to them about 5G. And basically, a cell, cell tower is a vertical strip mall. And they just, you know, put up the tower and then they lease out space on the tower to different companies that want to put the equipment up there. But he was telling me how the, the 5g equipment is much heavier. There's a lot more that, that goes into the transmission of that much data. So there's going to be, you know, huge demand for some of the, you know, industrial side of it, the basic real estate, the, the towers, the equipment that goes on there, but then there's the applications and what, what, what does that actually transform for, you know, the, the work at home crowd or the navigational system. So yeah, there's, there's a hundred different angles that you can look at. So where to start is really by going back and looking at the old industrial era companies and kind of like the, I mentioned with Kia and, and uh, Hyundai for the, for manufacturing the cars. If your characteristics of the company are capital intensive. Okay. So if, if you think about industrial area companies, they had to build factories, they had to put in equipment, they had to hire a lot of people to, you know, to come in and do the the work. And they ran on very low margins. I worked in a grocery store when I was young, and somebody said that the the margin on groceries is about 1%. And I don't know if that number is still pretty consistent, but I was like, you know, 1%, one to 2%, that is an incredibly low margin on on inventory. But the key is you basically turn over the inventory 12 times a year. So every, every month, the inventory of a grocery store would turn over. And over the course of a year, doing all of that work, uh, you'd, you'd get a 12% margin. And 
same thing with most you know large scale manufacturing type companies you're looking at you know maybe high single digit mid to high single digit maybe low double digit re- returns on net margins whereas if you look at some of the technology companies out there at 40% 60% uh even some as high as into the 80% gross profit margins and you know, so you have to look at what tremendous profitability uh valuation to the company low risk exposure to if something happens to your manufacturing plant like covid comes to town and now all of a sudden you've you've got to install plexiglass everywhere and half your workers can't come in you got to space everybody out and that's expensive and that can disrupt an, an entire supply chain so um as far as being vulnerable to you know downturns or, or shocks like that, a lot of these old economy stocks are, are are really showing and really did show some poor performance as they tried to wrestle with those risks. Whereas all these technology names that were scalable and uh, you know as more people adopt it, the these companies actually become more relevant, more useful, and more valuable. And, and a good example of that maybe is uh, Square, the, the payment processing company. Oh, right. Yeah. You've, you've seen the little white, you know, things poking out of iPads and phones and uh, readers where you can pay for a lot of smaller retailers, individual shops, and, and uh, vendors will have, have the Square readers. Well, as Square got rolled out and more people used it, it becomes recognized and credible and reputable. But the interesting thing is, is Square now has data on millions of small and mid-sized businesses. And they know what their basic revenue run is going to be uh, because they have all the sales transactions that obviously not the cash and, and other payment, but everything that got run via card, they're able to predict which companies are going to be profitable. And then they can turn around and take this data so they're they're getting paid on a transaction, like the the vendor pays for the you know probably a fee to use Square. They get a, a percentage fee off of each transaction, so you get a good little model going here. But now they have data on all of these companies, and so lenders who want to make loans to these companies can go to Square and say, "Hey, which which companies do you think will be profitable enough to?" warrant extending a line of credit to them that they could actually pay it off. Well, in the past, you would have to advertise to everyone. You'd, you'd, you'd mail out millions or send out all kinds of promotions trying to attract business owners that wanted loans. Well, who wants a loan? All the people that you know, don't, don't have the money, they can't afford to necessarily pay it back. And so you spend a tremendous amount of time weeding through those that are actually qualified for the loans. Well, Square has taken that and turned it on its head. And they said, we've projected that these companies have the best ability to repay a loan and might like to have an expansion loan or a a working capital loan. And so the lenders can then target just those companies. And then Square helps them build into their payment processing a share of the revenues to pay off the loan. Now compare that to traditional bank loans, well, bankers have gotten out of the sub $100,000 loan business because it wasn't profitable, it was too hard to underwrite, it was too expensive. And Square has leveraged up their technology and their data 
to not only improve the payment processing side, but then help make the the lending process more efficient. So it's it's really amazing when you get under the hood what's what's happening with some of these companies. Changes abound, and uh, we just have to be smart enough to to understand them, see the moving uh, changes out there, and then find ways to capitalize off of them, I suppose. But at the same time, you're not necessarily uh, promoting to, you know, just go pick stocks left and right and try and find winners, right? There's still all of the the solid behind-the-scenes uh, financial principles and thought processes that go into this, right? Yeah, I mean, you just can't go out and, and willy-nilly buy up any and, and all of the names that are in these places because there are a tremendous number of way overvalued stocks out there. I suppose the wind could start blowing a different direction. Somebody could come up with a new disruptive technology, uh, and and it's a very fast-paced and, and changing world. But if if you can you know, look at the big picture themes or or pick the names or pick a handful of names that you think could be the the financial technology firms of the future, and you're not going to get every one of them right. But uh, if you rolled back to 19 19- 70, 1971. And I said, buy Procter and Gamble and General Motors. Those would have been perfectly reasonable investments circa 1970, right? I mean, those household names, they had dominant industry shares, they were, you know, had new new products coming out, all that stuff. Well, fast forward to today, if you had put a few thousand dollars into Procter and Gamble, it'd probably be worth a half a million dollars today. If you put that same $3,000 into General Motors, I don't know how many times have they gone bankrupt and and had to you know just re- too many get get a government bailout and and start over and, and all that stuff. So the the individual names, not all of them are going to be successful. They it, it does matter that that you get the winners. So you want to diversify. But um, you know, really, a, a lot of the traditional income, you know, high dividend stocks, and we talked about this last time, energy and utilities and some of those. You know, buying corporate bonds that pay seven, eight percent, those days are gone. That just doesn't exist anymore. And so I think more than ever, we're going to need growth and growth stocks in in retirement portfolios to make sure that you participate, keep up your purchasing power. And uh, a lot of my experience, uh, and I jokingly say I have PTSD from the, the, the dot-com era. That, that was a, a go-go growth time when technology was just, you know, the internet was getting started. Anything with the dot-com after the name was, you know, hot and got, got bid up and, and crazy prices with no real actual business behind them. Well, fast forward to today, I think you can say that we've we've evolved and moved forward and, and and a lot of these technologies are mainstream now. So what are going to be the names that can benefit, leverage from, and actually you know t- take advantage of these the, these trends going forward? And I'm not going to name specific names because I'm not trying to make this a stock pickers podcast. But you know, suffice to say, we're you know definitely looking for names to add to the traditional retirement. Uh, income portfolios. And I've had a lot of people, you know, bring articles in or names in or things that, you know, that that they've heard about. So people are definitely interested in making sure that they have these types of things in their portfolios. Very helpful to get background info on these kinds of things. And I think talking about the future is a wise thing to do. Keep those eyes forward, thinking about how things can be improved, better diversified. I know all those work into the goals that you and the team at 
Living Worth Wealth Advisors have for your clients and uh, take it one day at a time, but think about the long term as well. Think about the future and lots of good things to discuss on today's show. If anybody has any questions, I encourage you to check out the 401k trap. You can download a free copy of it at retirementrescue.net. Great financial planning principles. Also, it's fantastic if you have an IRA, a 401k, 403b, SEP, or 457 plan, all kind of covered under the same guidance and umbrella as the 401k trap. And Brian, you guys have done a great job of kind of breaking down the reasons why we need to really be paying attention to our finances, especially when it comes to those types of accounts like 401ks. Yeah, and, and tax especially. And, and to the point of today's topic is if you're going to invest in growth stocks and have long-term capital gains and, and price appreciation, you want to be careful about which accounts you put those in. So there's a second layer of that. And we, we do talk about the tax issue in the 401k trap. And if, if you don't have a copy of it yet, by all means, go check, go check it out. Again, you can get that at retirementrescue.net or we'll link to it in the show notes of today's episode. Well, Brian, this was fun. I'm going to go hop in my flying car, and uh, we'll meet again for another episode here in uh, just a little bit. Sounds great. I'll go uh, fire up my CD player, and (laughs) we'll we'll compare notes. That's all right. Get the CD player ready to roll, and uh, we'll be in good shape. We'll we'll, we'll find my dad along the way and uh, get his cassette player thrown into the mix as well. We'll have several generations worth of technology we can work with. Sounds great. Fantastic. Very good. Uh, Well, again, go to retirementrescue.net, download the 401k trap for more great information about saving for retirement and uh, planning for your financial future. And we'll link to that in the show notes as well. For Brian Doe, I'm Walter Storholt. We'll talk to you next time right back here on Make the Doe Rise. Make the Dough Rise is brought to you by Living Worth Wealth Advisors, with a central office in Greensboro, Georgia, but serving the Lake Country and beyond. The podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all your favorite podcasting apps. Subscribe today and never miss an episode. Just search for Make the Dough Rise with Brian Doe. You can also visit MakeTheDoughRise.com to listen to recent episodes. If you'd like to contact the show or schedule a complimentary financial review with Brian and the team, just go to MakeTheDoughRise.com and get in touch through the website. Or call 706-451-9800. Thanks for listening to Make the Dough Rise. Investment advisory services offered through Main Street Financial Solutions, LLC. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accurateness and completeness cannot be guaranteed.